We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And welcome to the Bear Report Podcast. I am one of your writers on the website, Zach Pearson, and I'm joined by fellow writer Aaron Lemming. Uh, how you doing, Aaron? Doing good, man. Doing good. This has been a, been a long time coming. I'm sure a lot of people are excited. We're finally getting this going. Yeah, it's good to uh, finally get the podcast going, talk a little bears. Uh, it's been an exciting season so far. It's something we haven't been able to say in, geez, feels like forever. Yeah, it's, uh, well, this is the first time they've had a winning record especially for this long. And yeah, I, I think when Jeremy and I were doing them, I don't, I don't think they ever had a winning record. So yeah, this is, this is definitely going to be kind of nice to not sit here and talk about how bad they are and what to look for and all this other stuff. Like we can actually talk about good football and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. Right. New era of bears football, new era of the bear report podcast. I like it. Um, so let's just dig right into it, man. I mean, we said the bears have been winning lately, but uh, unfortunately Sunday in week six, they stumbled a bit. Uh, Miami just continues to be a house of horror for the Bears with the history of this franchise. And it showed again Sunday in that heat where, you know, felt like, you know, the players looked like it was like a thousand degrees out there. But what did you see from that game, from that disappointing loss? Well, I think looking back on it, I mean, it's kind of like you pointed out, man, the, the history back behind both of these teams and especially the history at home with Miami, Miami, even when they've been bad, they've been a good team at home. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, one, it's just really hot and humid. I mean, it was what it was, the, the feels like temperature was 102 degrees, something like that. And they strategically make the field to where on the visitor's sideline they have no shade. So 
it's one of those situations where I think the Bears came out. I, I think it's safe to say they came out flat because I think you look at offensively, they couldn't get anything going in the first half. When they did, they fumbled the ball right towards the end of the first half. But their defense never looked very good. Obviously, they were able to hold things pretty well. But I, I think part of it was coming out of the bye week, and I think part of it was the fact that as the game went on, um, they just, especially on the defensive side of the ball, they just gassed and. Unfortunately, you get into situations like that. I mean, you know this. You're in Chicago. It's already getting cold in Chicago. And then you go from, you know, 30, 40 degree weather, even 50 degree weather to what feels like 105 or whatever it is on the field. It's like, man, I, I, I can tell you from experience just living in where I'm at when it's 110, 115 every summer. It's like, dude, I don't even like going outside. So I can't even imagine trying to play football with pads, with all this other stuff, with the humidity especially I just I think this was a bad mix. I think this is just one of those matchups where maybe a lot of fans uh, overlook the fact that Miami's very good at home and they have a big home field advantage so early in the year. Yeah, you know, all week the talk was that the Heat would play an impact, and I kind of just brushed it off, brushed it aside. I mean, like you said, the Bears aren't really used to going to a place like Miami and having to play. I mean, they go there what every eight years, so. Yeah, the Heat did play a big factor. Uh, but you could just tell kind of in the second half it just started wearing them down. And former Bears head coach, former Dolphins head coach Dave Wonstadt was on 670 here. I believe it was last Thursday. I forgot what show it was, but they literally asked him, how much of an impact will this Heat have? And he said, you'll see it in the second half because, you know, Miami's used to playing it. They're going to come out fresh. That's when they kind of took advantage of their opponents to say, um, put it that way. And you kind of saw that. I mean, Akeem Hicks looked like it took him four to five seconds to get up after every play. Cleo Mack didn't look the same. Granted, he had an ankle injury. Um, Bilal Nichols looked like he was tired out there. Roy Robertson Harris, Jonathan Bullard. The front seven just looked gas and gas. And it really showed those two Albert Wilson plays where maybe the Bears got kind of a little lazy with their tackling and maybe they took a couple wrong angles, but. Both those plays were just just embarrassing. Well, there was 15 missed tackles in the second half alone, and I, and I think that really kind of goes back to the heat factor. And I, and I know a lot of people are going to look at that and say, well, that's just an excuse. They should have won the game. And to a certain extent, I absolutely agree. They should have won the game. They had multiple opportunities. But unfortunately, in situations like that, when you're not used to that, it's and I don't really know what they could have done about it. But and And I'm curious to get your perspective on it because – at least for me, I'm I'm watching this as more of a fan, and so I'm sitting here watching this game, and I'm it was I think it was right about midway through the fourth quarter. No, it was the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was right about the time that Trubisky threw that interception. I'm sitting there thinking, I was like, this feels like a game we've seen too often. I mean, you go back to the Levy Smith era, uh, his last year that Seattle game where it just seemed like a nightmare all the way through. And then Seattle wins in overtime. And then you fast forward, uh, you know, the, the, there was a the few games with that, uh, under Tressman. And I think the biggest one that I remember outside of the green Bay game, um, you know, week 17, when they didn't make the playoffs was that Minnesota game where Alshon Jeffrey kind of had his coming out party and they went back and forth, back and forth. The bears had a chance in overtime to win it. They missed the field goal. Minnesota goes down. Um, and they ended up missing a field goal because there was like two or three penalties on the play and then they had one in the game and it's like you always go back and you look and there's always that game and even with John Fox in his in his first year there was the the one game against San Francisco where they just beat Green Bay on Thanksgiving things are finally shaping up I think they had a chance to get to six and six and at that point the playoff picture wasn't really all that clear 
and then they go out and they drop a they drop an egg and it's just like every single era that we've seen from these head coaches there's always been that one game and i'm not saying that everything's going to end this badly and the bears aren't going to make the playoffs or whatever i'm just i'm saying i think this is just one of these games where regardless of what the Bears did, it just seemed like they weren't going to win the game. I mean, even in overtime, even after that fumble, I'm sitting there thinking, like, well, how are they going to screw this up? Because it was just one of those games where no matter what they did, how hard they tried, whatever it was, it just wasn't in the cards. The football gods absolutely did not want them to win the game, and they were going to stop at basically nothing to make sure it didn't happen. I know that sounds kind of weird, but it just felt like one of those games for me. Yeah, because, I mean, they did, in the second, in an overtime, they did get that fumble at the goal line when Kenyon Drake just pretty much dropped it. I know Hicks made the play, but it just looked like he pretty much dropped the ball, and the Bears were fortunate enough to get on it. But like you said, that's kind of been a common theme with this franchise. Going back to the Minnesota game with Mark Trussman kicking it on third down, um, the Jeffrey game in the old Metrodome up in Minneapolis, that cost them. Uh, and then, you know, going back to that season under John Fox, the first year, like you said, the San Francisco game. But do you remember that Denver game that they also had that year that they had a chance, I believe, it was either the week before or week after? Remember who was quarterback in that uh, Denver team? Yeah, good old Brock Osweiler. Right? Uh, it just seems like you know they, they can't get away from Brock Osweiler. Uh, it happened again on Sunday. But despite the negativity of that game, yes, it is a tough loss. There was some positives. Um, I think we could agree on the one positive. Did you want to kind of touch on uh, – how uh, Trubisky played? Yeah, I man, I, I look at it and trust me. I mean, I everybody who listens to the podcast really knows. I mean, I was big on Trubisky from the minute he was drafted. Zach, I know you the same way. You're a North Carolina guy, so I think we can definitely both agree we we both love Trubisky coming out. But I, I have to admit, uh, the the first three games, really, the first three games of the season, I'm, I, I really started to wonder. You know, is, is Trubisky the guy? And I was actually at that Arizona game, and I was sitting in an in an area uh, where I could see it was basically like an all twenty two uh, footage, you know, an area. And I was up in the second deck, and I was right about the right about the twenty or the thirty, and I was it, it was actually pretty awesome seats for what it was. But either way, I, I was sitting there watching things develop in that Arizona game, and I'm watching Trubisky just misreads, misdiagnose things, miss things downfield, and. And just how skittish he was in the pocket. And it's funny because then I go home and I and I watch just the broadcast footage just because I was curious to see what he would look like. And I can tell you right now the broadcast footage did not do it justice. The all-22 angle definitely did because, like I said, I was in a very similar angle. So I won't lie. Going into week four, I was pretty concerned. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, is this ever going to click for Trubisky? It's like you can only listen to the coaches. You can only listen to the players so much when you're not seeing product on the field. Uh, project the way that they're making it sound like it's going to and then all of a sudden week four happens and you know at first everybody was kind of shocked it's like six touchdowns regardless of how you cut it that's very impressive I mean Trubisky had a very good game but then the skeptics came in okay well they played Tampa Bay's defense Tampa Bay's defense is awful so on and so forth so then he comes out in the first half and I, the entire offense struggled to get going so I'm not going to put this completely on him he didn't look good though right so and this is a trend that we've seen from Trubisky uh, pretty much every single start that he's had, he starts off well, and he didn't start off well in this game, but he starts off well, and he tails off as the game goes on. It's just something he's always seemed to do. And this game was completely different, and he started off poorly in the first half. He comes out in the second half, and things just get going right off the bat, and he ends up throwing, I think he th- ends up throwing for over 300 yards in the second half alone. He had three touchdowns, the interception. 
But when I'm looking at Trubisky, when I'm watching him play, uh, there's a few things that really stand out to me. And I think one is the, the, the comfort that the entire offense has right now. I think what they did with Tampa Bay, they pulled back a little bit. I think they're kind of getting back to basics a little bit. I think they're incorporating more of the playbook, and I'm sure we'll see that more uh, this week as well. But there's a comfort from Trubisky, and he's also going through his reads. And it's like even that interception that he threw, that was his third read. The interception that he threw to, uh, I think it was Rashad Jones in the end zone, was that – that uh, Ben Bronico was his third read, but you look at all the different things that he's doing. He took the sacks early. I think one of those could have been on him, whatever it may be, but his pocket awareness, his happy feet went away. He was making throws downfield. I think there's just so much progression that we're seeing right now from Trubisky. I'm not saying it's going to last, but the fact that he was able to stack it from week to week, uh, and I know a lot of people have been saying this and I actually agree, and I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, but I'm actually more impressed with his performance this last Sunday against the Dolphins, then I was impressed with the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, I have to agree 100% with that because we knew going into Tampa Bay game that that defense was just awful. I mean, that secondary was one of the worst in all of football going into it. They were starting three rookies that game, and one of them was Trubisky's former college teammate, MJ Stewart. Uh, I believe he was lined up in the slot for most of that game. But, like you said, you know, Going up against Miami, who had who came into the game leading the league in interceptions, it was going to be a, bit, a tougher test for him. And right away in the first half, you know, it, it, it looked like the moment wasn't like I don't I don't want to say too big for him, but maybe he just you know he's kind of just in a way like coming off that uh, week four high and was like, okay, I can just go out and do what I want right now. Um, you definitely saw that in the overthrow on the first drive to on the third down to Anthony Miller. Yes, the offense did struggle in the first half, but I mean, how they rebounded in the second half was a big positive. Trubisky led them on four scoring drives. Three of those were touchdown passes. The other one was a long Tariq Cohen run. And again, you know, he finished over 300 yards in the game. And he, he showed what he showed me was signs of a progression. And going back to training camp, when all these, you know, mixed reports came out, oh, Trubisky, Trubisky looks great, Trubisky looks bad. I don't want to say he looked great and bad. I want to say he looked in the middle. But the one thing I didn't see from him throughout training camp was he didn't like stack consistent practice, consistent good practices. So he'd have a good practice and then he'd have two bad practices. He never had like three straight good practices or four straight good practices, which was a little alarming. And going back to the Arizona game, it, I mean, I'd have to be lying to myself if I didn't say I was a little concerned. I know the guys on the Bear Report board were very concerned about Trubisky. He kind of had to talk him off a little bit of a ledge there. But now you're starting to see the progression you want to see from a second-year quarterback. He's starting to kind of pick up Matt Nagy's offense a little more. I think he's trusting his arm a little more. He's stepping up into his throws. Even the throws he's missing, he's still stepping up into them. He's just not being accurate on them. Today... Uh, we had Bill Belichick on the on the uh, conference call, and he said the throw to Gabriel down the sideline in the second half against Miami was one of the best uh, passes and catches he's seen in the NFL this season, which, I mean, you're getting praise from Bill Belichick. I think you're doing something right. Yeah, I agree. I, and, I, and I think the, the key right now for Trubisky and is just to kind of keep in mind, right, and, I, and I've said this multiple times, development – within quarterbacks is not linear it just it simply is not I mean there's really no other way to put it because every single quarterback is in a different situation I know a lot of people looking at this and saying okay well why didn't they take Patrick Mahomes and at least from my perspective I love Patrick Mahomes I had a first round grade on him 
But my my concern with a guy like Mahomes going into the draft was he had to go to the right situation because he had a much lower floor than a guy like Trubisky. And I think he definitely has a higher ceiling. I think we're seeing all the ability that he has right now. And, I mean, he's he's an incredible talent. I mean, he could end up being a great quarterback. I think it's way too early to say that. But I think the, the big thing to keep in mind here is that the Bears did not have a good situation last year, right? So they bring in, at least in my mind, probably the most pro-ready quarterback. Uh, I think the only other one you could kind of make an argument for would have been uh, Deshaun Watson. But I think that Trubisky had the higher ceiling. And I even said this when I when I put my scouting report out on him. I said he doesn't do anything great, but he does a lot of things good. And I think his ceiling is more than good enough, top five, top seven type quarterback to take a chance on that that high and you know the the nice thing is is you're kind of falling back on a pretty solid floor and i think really that's kind of what we're seeing right now from Trubisky i think we're finally starting to see okay you know he's going to have his ups and downs he's he's a young quarterback that's fine whatever it may be but you're you're going to see these peaks and valleys it's always going to happen with young quarterbacks but i think we're finally starting to see him level out a little bit and obviously it's only two games so we'll have to see what happens as we move on, but I think he's finally starting to get things figured out. I mean, this is an, a complicated offense, and that's the thing I think a lot of people don't quite understand is that people people wanted to make the the Rams and, and Bears comparison. Well, Jared Goff took off right away last year, and that is absolutely correct, but Jared Goff also wasn't making calls at the line of scrimmage. He wasn't doing the things that Mitchell Trubisky's being asked to do. So I think that now we, we get these first three games out of the way. Trubisky didn't look very good. I mean, there's really no other way around that. But now we're starting to see games four and five. It's like all of a sudden you look at his numbers as a whole for the season, and he's got over 100 quarterback rating. He's got a 71 com- uh, uh, completion percentage. He's got 11 touchdowns. He's got four interceptions. I mean, he's almost got a, a three-to-one touchdown to interception ratio. Uh, he's averaging, uh, at least from, from the numbers I was looking at earlier, He's he if he – continues on the the way that he's going right now he's going to have over 4,000 yards he's basically going to break every single Bears passing record that has ever been established and this is coming off of three rough games and now we're seeing two good games obviously we'll have to see how that all goes but I think the important part here is you look at what happened with the, the Miami the, in the Miami game the defense failed there's no other way around that I think that the defense failing is absolutely 100% an outlier. I think the defense is going to play much better. They may not be, you know, at elite status every single game like they have been over the first four games, but they're still going to play really, really good football. And I think what we're going to see as things go is if the Bears can average, I mean, over the last two games, they, they scored 72 points. So if the Bears can even average, let's say 20, let's just say 20. 27 points a game, I think, is that's that's probably still pretty high. But let's just say they average 27 points a game. So three touchdowns and two field goals every single game. There's a pretty good chance that they're going to win almost every single one of those games because of how good a defense they have. So I think that fans just have to look at this and say, okay, we saw a bad defensive performance. They happen every every team, especially this year. Offensive output is at a historic rate. So, I mean, the Bears are one of every single team in the league to have a bad defensive uh, performance. But I think that we're seeing more than enough progression from the offense to feel confident that the offense is moving in the right direction. And I think the defense is going to revert back to the right direction. So... For as tough of a loss as this is, I, I still think the Bears are headed in a very good direction, and I think that it could be viewed as more positive direction versus three weeks ago. I mean, even at 2-1 at and one when they beat Arizona, I don't think a lot of people felt very good about where the Bears are at because of the offense. And I think now we can look and say, okay, the Bears' defense had one bad game. 
but the offense is strung together two good games, and they're scoring when it counts, and they're making the progression. Yeah, to kind of touch on that point about the defense, you know, playing bad. Yeah, there's no way around. That was a bad game by the defense. All the missed tackles, they 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 were given a lead twice, and and through those first four weeks of the season, I guess not the Tampa Bay game, but you wanted to see the offense help out the defense. The defense was carrying the offense. Sunday, the offense carried the defense. They put them in position twice to shut that game down with the lead, and they couldn't do it. I don't think the defense is going to be that bad um, like they were uh, against Miami. Maybe they'll they'll struggle a couple more times, but I, I think as long as Cleo Mack stays healthy, he did not practice on Wednesday, but as long as Cleo Mack stays healthy, this defense is should be talked about among the elite in the NFL. Um, and that, that's what you want moving forward because if this is as much as this offense is going to progress, then you have this defense coming in. Now you have this offense that can score a lot of points. You have a defense that can shut down people. I think that's a good recipe for success. To kind of touch back on the Trubisky thing, his last two games, I want to throw some numbers at you. 72% completion, uh, or 72 per, 72 completion percentage, 770 total yards, nine, thro- nine passing touchdowns, one interception, 143.3 passer rating. I mean, have we ever seen that from a Bears quarterback in our lifetime? We haven't. And, I mean, if you really want to make a comparison right now, I mean, compare that to the Patrick Mahomes numbers or even compare that to Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's his last two games have been extremely good. And I, I, I've got to admit, man, I'm a, I'm a little confused as to how Trubisky's progression, especially this last game, is like his game. Like a lot of people have painted him into some corner, like, oh, he had a bad game. Trubisky did not have a bad game. I hate to tell you. Oh, not at all. It's his throws. Yeah, yeah. I, the only throw that was in the second half that was really questionable was the interception in the end zone, which you can't make that throw. He went for that third read, and he, the problem was he didn't. The, he didn't look the safety. The safety didn't move. Essentially, the safety was going to read that route the whole way. Um, that's still something you're going to want to your quarterback to grow from. And I think that's going to happen these next couple of days or next couple of games. I'm sorry, but moving forward, now you have a tougher test. Now you have new England. You have the arguably the top team in the AFC right now. They've been the top team in the AFC seems like forever. They're coming into your place Sunday. And the difference between four and two and three and three is pretty large because you're going to have to essentially win to keep your number one spot in the NFC North assuming that Minnesota does take care of the Jets. Yeah, this is man, this is a tough game. And the one thing that you brought up just a minute ago that I kind of want to get your perspective on, because you're there. I mean, you and that's, that's the thing for everybody listening to this. Zach is at House Hall. Zach is, is at the home games. Like, he he's there for all the locker room stuff. He's there for, you know, the little bit of practice that they get to see. So, I you know, you, you mentioned that Khalil Mack didn't practice – but I know you get to talk to these players. I know you get to talk to the coaches. I mean, what's what's the what's the vibe around House Hall right now in terms of? I mean, is is this something we should be concerned about with Cleo Mack, or is this just simply them getting him rest and he's going to be ready to go for Sunday? Uh, right now, if I had a bet on it, I'd say simply just getting him rest and uh, have him ready for Sunday. It didn't seem like Nagy was too concerned about the injury. Just you know, he, he did rule out it wasn't a high ankle sprain. It was nothing serious. Um, could he miss Sunday's game if, for precautionary reasons? Yeah, it's possible. Will he? I don't think so. I think you're going to see him as did not did not practice on Wednesday. You'll see him as did not practice on Thursday. And it really wouldn't shock me if he didn't practice Friday and end up playing. Um, question is, 
it's going to be how he feels. If he feels like he can go Sunday, he's going to go. But how much do you trust him in his own way to say, yeah, I can go? Because if let's say you lose Khalil Mack, this defense goes from elite to, what, maybe fringe top 10? Um, but you definitely need him out there for Brady. But kind of on your point of Hallis Hall, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that sense of, like, panic or anything regarding Mac or even this loss against the Dolphins after week one I didn't feel that against the Pat uh, you know with the Packers loss I just it's kind of like a uh it's a new you know a new era new feeling around Hallis Hall they they do feel like okay yeah we we took a loss we know what happened we owned up our mistakes they talked to Eddie Jackson he owned up to his mistakes Kyle Fuller owned up to his mistakes it's like they kind of get the big picture like yeah this is you know Got to take it game by game, and it's not like they're eliminated or anything. Well, yeah, and that's, and I think that's the thing that the fans have to understand right now. Okay, so they're three and two; they should be at least four and one, in my opinion. But they're not, and but especially with this Miami loss, it's like okay, they lost the game; it sucked. Trust me, I was I was irritated. I I went through you know full disclosure. I, I, I'm a smoker. I went through an entire pack of cigarettes in that, in that four-hour period for that game. And that was how that, – that just kind of gives you an idea how I felt throughout that game. That was just a nightmare. But Oh, my. But, yeah, right. <laughs> but, but, but you also have to keep in mind in a situation like this that that was a game that if the Bears are going to lose games – because here's the thing. I think 10-6 is going to get them in the playoffs, right? They, they've already started off 3-1 in the conference. If you're going to lose games – to get to that ten and six, that ten and six record, then you want to lose games to the AFC, and I think that's really what a lot of fans have to understand right now is the fact that they they have a good conference record right now. They're three and one, they're only one in the division, but they have five games left against the division, and they have eight games left against the conference, all in the in the final eight games of the season. So regardless of how things go. Uh, you know, against New England, I still think at very worst they'll be four and four coming out of that stretch. I think more realistically, I think they'll end up being five and three. So this isn't a make or break game. It, yeah, it's going to kind of, I won't lie, it's going to kind of suck if they go from, you know, first place in the last four weeks to they lose this game. And let's just say both Detroit and Minnesota win with Green Bay being on the bye. The Bears would technically be in fourth place because of the tiebreaker. Whatever. It is what it is. It, it's a temporary thing. But they also come out and they play, uh, you know, they have the Bills and they have the Jets. I mean, those are both very winnable games. And then they come out, and that's the bread and butter of the schedule. So uh, this is an important game. I, I do think that if the Bears somehow pull a game like this off with New England, I mean, it's one of the – yes, they're at home. They should have a home field advantage, you know. But it's an important game to a certain extent. But these are the kind of games that if you're going to lose games, and these are the kind of games that you want to lose because – you know, uh, non-conference record doesn't mean anything. I mean, regardless if they're going for the division, obviously they need a better division record. But if they're going for a wild card spot, which realistically I still think that's going to be more of what they're going to be aiming towards towards the end of the year, the conference record has to line up. And starting off three and one uh, is is a good step in that direction. But either way, I mean, it's we've seen week by week. I mean, this is just you don't know what you're going to get from the Bears, but more often than not, it's usually going to be good enough to win a game. So I. Oh man, I don't know. It's that's it's the New England Patriots we're talking about. This is any other team I'd feel a little bit better, but this is the Patriots. Yeah, and before the season, if you had told me the Bears would be four and four through their first eight games of the season, I probably would take that. Obviously, getting off that three and one start, if I told you, okay, they they're gonna be three and two going into New England game and three games left against the AFC East and they end up, 
you know, four and four, I'd be a little disappointed. I think five and three would be, I'd be totally happy with that through their first eight games because I'll kind of put them in that wild card hunt. I still think Minnesota's probably got the best team overall in the division, in my opinion. Um, I know you think the Bears do, uh, which is totally fine, but I think the the schedule sets up for them to make a run at that division. They'll have two games against Minnesota. They have two against Detroit in the span of eleven days, to to note. And then I saw the one against Green Bay. Their toughest game is going to be at the end of the season is going to be um, against the Rams because the Rams look like they're they're well oiled machine right now. Uh, but yeah, like. Like you said, it is New England, so there is always that worry, like, okay, what's New England, you know, how can you beat Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Like, how are you going to get that one up on them? And I think the way Matt Nagy can do this is, like, you know, you have, so the Bears don't have Tyreek Hill. They have two players that are, like, mini versions of Tyreek Hill that could be, that could serve his role this week and kind of exploit mismatches in, in Tariq Cohen and Taylor Gabriel. I think if Nagy can find a way to get both those players in space, get them the ball, let them do what they want, I think it'll bode really successful for the Bears' chances. Now, looking into that game, I think what Belichick and the defense is going to do, they're probably going to primarily be in a lot of nickel and dime sets, kind of force the Bears to run the ball, force them to use Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, and then kind of make Trubisky beat them. Easier said than done, obviously. Yeah, and, and I agree. I, I think... The thing is, is and I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't think New England is overly talented. I don't think they're an overly talented team. I, I actually make an argument that they're probably, if you're looking at the, you know, uh, I'd say that they're probably like a mid-tier team. I think if you're looking, you know, 11 through, or, you know, 1 through 11 and then, you know, so on and so forth. I think when you break the league up into threes, I think they're more of a, you know, middle-tier talent-wise. But... They're so well coached, and I think that's really what it comes down to. They don't have a ton of talent on defense, but they are they're very well coached on defense. And I think for those who watched the this this last game um, last Sunday night with them in Kansas City, they showed especially in this, the first half they showed a lot of different looks for Patrick Mahomes. They they showed a lot of uh, basically they faked blitzes a lot. They they just there was multiple different fronts that they ran and multiple different um, things that they were able to do defensively with not a lot of talent and it ended up causing two turnovers in the first half. So it's going to be interesting because I think that when you look at what is going on with New England right now, um, they pretty much just played. I mean, obviously players are different, uh, but in terms of scheme, for the most part, they pretty much played the same offense the week before. And Patrick Mahomes almost beat him, and I think Patrick Mahomes would have beat him had it not been for the fact that, and this is the first time, I think it's the first time in either league history that this has happened, or maybe just in the in the franchise's history that's happened. But New England didn't have a turnover and didn't have a penalty in the game. I mean, that's you, you talk about playing about as perfect as you can uh, in regards yeah. to that. So I think I think it was modern NFL history. Modern, yeah, maybe yeah. maybe it was. Either way, uh, point being here is that. This is going to be a tough matchup for the Bears, and the one thing I will say though is the Bears have a lot of weapons right now. They got Trey. I mean, if you want to sh- shut down the speedy guys, you know, and, and Trey Cohen and and and, uh, 
And Taylor Gabriel, you still got Trey Burton to deal with. You still got Allen Robinson to deal with. You still got Anthony Miller in there. Uh, the Bears have a lot of different options here, and obviously Jordan Howard as well. Um, I think, at least in my mind, one of the biggest keys is going to be controlling the clock. Maybe not, you know, taking as many deep deep stripes or whatever it is, because they're going to have an opportunity to score on the New England defense. But I think that especially coming off last week, I think it would be better for them to control the clock more and have Brady on the field less. Yeah, I so going back to the point of, you know, New England has seen this Bears offense essentially by playing Kansas City. Um, very similar offenses. Do you think that benefits? Because at first I was like, oh, advantage Bears. I think Nagy can take a lot away from that game. Um, you can kind of do some things that uh, Andy Reid did in a way, you know, way that he used Tyreek Hill when I mentioned the Cohen and Gabriel stuff. But do you think that benefits the Bears or do you think that benefits the Patriots? Because now looking back, I think you give Bill Belichick the same offense essentially twice in a row, I think he's going to be more prepared for it. I don't know if the Bears can even jump out ahead on him. Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's it's absolutely advantage Patriots. Uh, Patriots, and that's the thing, you know, Patriots have a great coaching staff. Bill Belichick is one of, if not the greatest NFL coach in the history, at least in my opinion. So, I mean, if you're basically saying, hey, not only do you get one shot, but you get two shots to, to you know, play the same offense – I, my money's definitely on and on Bill, Belichick to really figure things out, and uh, I, I still think they're going to give up a decent amount of points. But I just, it, like I said, man, it's the Patriots. It, it's just hard. It, it, at any point in the season, regardless of who they're playing, it's hard for me to bet against the Patriots, especially against the Bears. I mean, we just we don't know what we're going to get. I do think it's going to be a close game, uh, but I just have a hard time thinking that the Bears really have an advantage either way in this game, even though they are at home. I just I think it's going to be one of those games where it's probably going to come down to a possession or two. It's probably going to come down to one of the last few possessions. And that's kind of why I'm going back to the whole the Bears need to be able to control the clock. They need to be able to keep Tom Brady off the field because you don't want to be faced with a situation where you're giving Tom Brady the ball back with two or three minutes left to go down, you know, three points or down six points or even down with a chance to tie because I don't think the Bears are that kind of team yet. I mean, they're still learning how to win. I don't think they're really a team that can make that stop against probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, and I'm kind of glad you brought that up because today at House Hall, um, Mitchell Trubisky actually talked about that offense having that killer instinct and being able to put games away where they won't have to rely on their defense to make you know a stop on the final drive. Um, let's listen to that audio really quick. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I love love those words, killer instincts, and that's where the great teams, great players, uh, they develop that, and it's not something that has has to be said. So we need that energy, we need that vibe when it comes down to you need a crucial play or a clutch, clutch play in the second half, fourth quarter. Uh, we got to have that mindset that we got to close out games, um, go out by um, more than more than two scores to really shut out shut out the important opponent and just take away all their confidence. So uh, I think that's something that we got to grow into, continue to get better and better, and we want to have that killer instinct in the second half um, just just to not to give the other team a, another chance because uh, we did feel um, like, like we gave a couple away. But I think good teams will learn from that. I think we're going to grow and, and learn from uh, what our two losses, and hopefully it'll just make us better for the future. But that's something that we definitely want to develop. And that was Mitchell Trubisky at Hallis Hall on Wednesday talking about the offense becoming 
that getting that killer instinct to kind of put games away. So my question, Aaron, before we get into our game prediction, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this one. If this game does turn into a shootout, and it's and likely it could, especially if Mac is out and the Patriots' defense is very vulnerable, do you trust the Bears' offense to win a game in a shootout in this moment? Well, man, that's that's a tough question. I I think because Tom Brady's on the other side of the ball, I'm going to say no. But what I will say is this. When the Bears had a chance to win the game twice last week, I had full – for the first time ever, I actually had full confidence that Mitchell Trubisky could take them down the field and make the plays to win the game. So I think – let's just put it this way. I'm going to – and I know this is kind of a double, double-headed double answer here, but if the Bears have a chance at the end of the game, let's say that they get the ball back with three minutes left, they're down six points, let's just say, right? And they have a chance to go down and score a touchdown to win the game. I do think that I, I do think that the Bears can do that. I, I have enough confidence in Trubisky at this point to believe that he can do that because I think he's growing past the moments being too big for him. My concern is, you know, if it's the other side where the Bears are, you know, they're trading back and forth and Brady gets the ball. Let's just put it this way: if if whoever has the ball last, that's probably going to be the team that wins the game. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. I just I want to see in the offense. I want to see the Bears. You know, have a chance to kind of put it away, put the nail in the coffin, or even tr- put the ball in Trubisky's hands in the final minute or two, and let him lead a game-winning drive. All right, let's get uh, let's get your prediction for this game, and then uh, I'll reveal mine. So, give me the final score, and uh, maybe any storyline or anything you'll you'll be looking for in the game. Well, I'm gonna go with a and it's kind of the same same prediction I've given with the other two places I write for, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say. Uh, 27-23. I, I think really what this is going to come down to is I think that the Bears are going to have their opportunities to win the game, but I think they're going to settle for field goals in times when they probably should get touchdowns. And I, th- I think the defense is going to play better, but I think ultimately they're a little banged up right now, and I think it's going to take them a little bit of time to get back on their feet. Um, I, it's just one of those games where I, I've played this back in my mind multiple times. And I'm just having – I'm having trouble seeing how the Bears are going to win. And I'm not saying that the Bears don't have a chance to win it. Just for me personally, I don't see a scenario where it favors them coming down, you know, the last few minutes of the game or whatever it is. Because Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are very good at being able to control those kind of situations. They know they know how to control that. And I just I, – I don't have enough faith yet with Matt Nagy with, with how the team is to think that they're going to put themselves in that position to go down and win. Yeah, I'm going to go 37-30 Patriots. I don't know why I like those weird scores, but I'm going to go with uh, 37-30 Patriots. I think you're going to see Trubisky play well for a third straight game. Um, I I just think Tom Brady is just too good for this. No matter how good this Bears defense is, I think Tom Brady is just too good. Um, that, that Patriots offense is pretty scary to me, especially if they get Sonny Michelle running like he has been, and then you got Gronk and... Edelman and all their weapons on the Josh Gordon, um, but kind of my bold prediction for the game. I think Josh Gordon's going to have a big game for the for New England. I can see probably two touchdowns from him over 100 yards receiving. I hope that's not the case, but that's kind of my bold prediction for them. Well, that could be the case, especially uh, depending on what goes on with Prince Mukamara. I mean, he was limited, which is probably a good thing. But I I don't know, man. If Kevin Tolliver is out there, as much as I've I've I think he's played all right so far. Like you said, they just have so many weapons, and now they're adding in a running game, which isn't even fair. And the one guy you didn't even, you know, that you didn't even bring up 
was James White. I mean, yeah, he's a James guy who gets us out of the backfield and runs the ball, too. It's just they have so many weapons, and unfortunately for the Bears, they got them all back right before they played the Bears. So it's, I mean, hats off to Vic Fangio if he can find a way to keep this team under 30 points. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a tough challenge, but hopefully next week we're talking about a 4-2 uh, and two Chicago Bears team rather than a 3-3 three and three Chicago Bears team. Yeah, I'm hoping so, man. I, it's it, like I said, it's not a, it's not at that critical juncture yet where they absolutely have to win this game. But four and two definitely looks a lot better than three and three. That's for sure. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, thanks for joining me, Aaron, this week. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully. Like I said, hopefully recapping a Bears win and previewing the uh, what is it, the Jets game after that. Uh, yeah, it's okay. a Jets game. They'll be at home again. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely good to be. Good to be back on these podcasts and getting these things done again. And I think we're, I think we're coming in, a, you know, a good, a good point this season. I think there's going to be a lot of good things to talk about over the the next few months. And hopefully, uh, as we carry these into December and hopefully January, we'll actually have some competitive football, maybe some playoff football to talk about. But one week at a time. Hopefully, four and two instead of three and three. But I guess we'll see. For sure. And then, uh, can you let everyone know where they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, yeah. You can uh, follow me at Aaron Lemming NFL. Uh, it's Lemming with one M. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty much it. Perfect. You can follow me at, at Zach, Z A C K underscore Pearson, and then be sure to subscribe, review, and rate this podcast on iTunes. Thanks everyone. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.